Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. Light the fight. And because you're hearing me introduce the podcast, yes, it is true. Our faithful friend and community neighborhood therapist is not with us tonight. And so in his place, we have really just this the second best or the right hand man or the first mate, Brandon. I mean, I, we can say second best, but it's like a mile and a half track difference. So I'll take it as second best. But when David listens to this episode, I do want to politely say, I know there's a gap of like <laughs> 20 plus years. So I, I'm i going to make sure my ego stays low from that compliment. So thank you, Heidi. But let's just well, Brandon, disclaim that. You know, you know how the Dread Pirate Roberts works though, right? No. I, from Princess Bride. Have you ever watched that show? I, I have watched Princess Bride. It's okay, so while, Princess though. Bride, the the way that the, the Dread Pirate would just get so tired of being the Dread Pirate, and so he'd find somebody he trusted and train them, but threaten to kill him every day, and then train him, train him, train him. And then when he finally decides, okay, this is my guy, he's trained, then he, they go into port, they fire all everybody on the ship, and then hire a new ship, and then they swap places, and the first mate becomes the ah. dread pirate. The dread pirate becomes the first mate, and nobody even knows. So I think that you know, David still just kind of is threatening to kill you every day. Yeah, and that, <laughs> now that you now you mention it that way, I have been fired and rehired so many times that we've lost count. Yeah. It's just That's daily. Right. I just set up my Gmail account and just emails in my resume every morning just saying hey just a reminder uh, well we all know that david would be lost without you so but, <laughs> you know that's just a side note no we are thankful brandon is um normally for those of you who are who might be new or don't otherwise know brandon is um our producer of like the fight and also Helps us just get stuff done. Brandon, you're 24 years old. Is that correct? That is correct. And um, you, like me, are also a past um, project of David's. I I guess ongoing project. (laughs) Ongoing project. Yeah, I've uh, (laughs) met him about 10 years ago through the Quit Trip and Support group and just kind of been a teen young adult understudy from them trying to help out where I can kind of started out being super needy like hey what can I help you with hey what can I help you with and kind of nagging and then it's kind of evolved from there and get some pep tops pet talks from him every now and then and then just kind of yeah picking up what I can from him information wise yeah well so we're in good hands Brandon Brandon has sat in and listened to more David talks more David counseling sessions with, well, I shouldn't say counseling, group therapy sessions, right? Yeah. 
And from what David said last time I talked, we talked, um, you're even sometimes heading over to the school and helping him out with his current high school curriculum as well, right? Yeah, helping out with the curriculum, kind of helping out with the tech stuff, talking, throwing some information to the teens at the high school, just because I'm only six years removed from high school. So just kind of related right. to them. So just right. a little expertise I have, just tossing it out there. So what we do know is that Brandon knows he listens and and he's been there. So um, I'm thankful for him to, for being here, being willing to kind of fill in. David is sick. And um, so hopefully, I, I don't believe it's a COVID situation, but no, no he, COVID, just a little sickness from that. Just get a up, little down. Figure it out. Yeah. All right. Well, today, as we are recording this podcast, it is September 10th, 2020. And, um, excuse me, sorry, sorry. Um, for those of you who may be living under a rock today, <laughs> today is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, which also kind of is in the midst of World Suicide Prevention Week and World Suicide Prevention Month. Um, but today is the day, the main, the main day that um, is known as Suicide Prevention Day. And uh, I thought that it was, I, I think that it would it's just a good excuse. It's a good reason. It's a good time to just kind of talk about Turkey, talk Turkey about suicide prevention. Because, you know, when we started this podcast, I thought we were doing a suicide prevention podcast, honestly. And, um, and then I kind of thought, okay, well, this is going to be a podcast for parents who have teenagers who are struggling. And then it zoomed out even more when I realized, oh, so this is helping anyone who is in a relationship with anyone, even though we do mostly talk about it in the context of parents and, and children, that parent-child relationship. Um, and so it's not very often, we don't we actually don't very often talk straight up about suicide. Um, and so today I thought, you know what, why don't we just do that? Why don't we honor today um, the efforts that have been made by many to create um, a day full of awareness, a day where the expectation is to talk about it, a day where um, we can kind of, um, openly, non-stigmatized, non-judging, non—you know—all that stuff can be set aside because it is actually Suicide Prevention Day. Um, I want to share two things. Um, the first is that pretty early after so after Corey died, and um. And I was so, uh, I just, I, still just a lot of shock. And I just wondered what I had done wrong, what I had missed, how I didn't know how this even happened. 
Um, and I started Googling, you know, signs of suicide or, you know, how to prevent suicide or, you know, I, I started to read every article that I could come across that was like, here's how to prevent suicide. And really quickly, I got really, um, I don't know what the emotion was. Was it like sad, mad, disappointed, hurt? Um, like all of these different emotions. Because as I was reading all of these articles about how to prevent suicide, my problem was that I hadn't seen any of this like Corey had not um, represented the things that were being talked about in most of the suicide prevention in, in all this. Like I had not, I could, I did not come across anything that I was like, Oh, well, if I would have just done that, then I would have prevented this suicide. And I went into this very dark place, um, resentment place, that suicide was not preventable. Um, and I, I mean, at this time, I just, I didn't know anything. And I was still very, um, again, with this emotion, like I just was so hurt and so sad and felt so responsible, but also just had no idea what I could have done instead. Um, around the same time, and so I'm talking that it was just a couple months after Corey passed away. So Corey passed away in July, and the very first suicide event that I participated in with Quit Trippin, with David, Brandon, you were there. Yes. Um, was the the very first walk that we had planned, and um, it's the walk in Salt Lake is down at. Liberty Park. Yep. It's kind of in the downtown area and it's known for having um I mean there's there's homeless folks walking around and the setup had started the night before and it's it happens in September and um it was cold in the morning. I remember we were setting up and this woman who was homeless walked straight up to me and I had you know a t my t-shirt on and I'm hanging little banners and I'm, I'm trying to show up for this thing. And she looked at me and she said, you cannot prevent suicide. If someone wants to die, they're going to die. You're stupid. I don't even know why you guys are out here trying. You're all stupid. And I looked at her and and I was kind of in this place where I thought, you know what? <laughs> Maybe she's I agree. Right. I I agree. Um, because I didn't at that point, I just didn't know um, what I could have done different. What I felt like I had zero control in the situation. I felt that way for about a year, um, continuously looking for. Some, I wanted something, some book or Google article or something to tell me 
how to prevent suicide. And, you know, there's a lot out there. And one thing I will tell you is that I never said to my son, are you considering suicide? And um, that is something that I could have done different. It's something that I didn't know about. Um, I don't know if he would have been honest with me or not. Um, so what I want to tell you now, it's been five years since that time. And, you know, three of those years that we've, two and a half of those years that we've been doing this podcast. And what I want to tell you is that I actually believe that suicide is preventable. Now, um, and that's a brave, that's a, that's a big statement coming Mm -hmm. from me. Oh yeah. Um, and recently I was on a hike with, with some women and, and I had a, a woman look at me and say, is suicide, do you believe suicide is preventable? And I was then again, like put in that place where I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, is suicide preventable? And, um, you know, I, I don't think that, we can't take every suicide and every person who's struggling and lump them into one thing, you know? There's so many different factors that can get somebody to be in a suicidal place that it's, it is difficult to kind of lump them up like that. Well, yeah. And so there's not like, here's the prevention, take this vitamin, right. Or go out and do this. There's, there's not a prescription. You know, there's a lot of things going on um, out there in the world that wasn't, that I wasn't aware of five years ago. So it's hard because you don't really, until you're in this situation, until I was immersed in suicide, um, in, a, in a suicide scenario, I didn't know about any of the things that were suicide prevention, right? It's So, so it was kind of a new world, but um, some of the things that are happening right now, there's, you know, new, um, a new three number hotline, which um, has been put into place to make it easier for somebody that's in distress to call and and get help. Um, There's also, you know, more funding. I love seeing the apps and and the things that people can reach out to, like something like Safe UT. Um, you know, and these are kinds of things that we think about usually like, okay, suicide prevention, we got the hotline, mm-hmm. right? Call the hotline or text the hotline or, um, go to the hospital. That's your suicide prevention. Um, one of the things that David has, has, we've talked about here on the podcast too, we talked about that's kind of like your stage four or your, your, your crisis level suicide prevention. Um, and I think that every 
everybody, everybody should know what those crisis level prevention tactics are. Um, calling a hotline or that three digit number. Brandon, what is the three? Is it 311? I, I'm pretty sure it's 311. He's going to Google it. <laughs> um, I just, I've heard all this talk about it. It's funny that I, I should probably know what it is. 988. Oh, nine. Well, then don't call 311. So this yeah, so they're announcing it. They said July 16th of 2020, the process will take two years as telecom and voice service companies will be mandated to have a 988 hotline by July 16th of 2022. So it's being built oh. as we speak. Okay. Um, parents should know, anybody should know that if somebody's in crisis, they should take that person to an emergency room. And the personnel in the emergency room are trained to deal with that type of a situation. And mm-hmm. um, the other thing is that if you do call a crisis hotline and those of you who are here in Utah, um, you, you get a hold of safe UT or um, you call the crisis hotline, they will send, they can, they have the ability to ask you some questions and they may send out um, a crisis response team. And that crisis response team will be able to sort of assess the situation either over the phone or in person and help you with some next steps. So um, I wanted to go ahead and just share those main blanket, if you're in a crisis situation, absolutely 100% take action in those, in those ways. Did you have something to add there, Brandon? Yeah, I was going to say, so I've been in some situations from being a mentor in the Quit Trip and Support groups that David runs, where we've had teenagers or I've seen people who have been in crisis situations or they've posted something on social media. The other thing you can do as well, if you don't know exactly where that person's at, you don't have their address, is you can call into 911 and you can ask for what's called a wellness check. So you call in and say, hey... I want to call for a wellness check on so-and-so. Here's all the information I have. They say, thank you. And they dispatch an officer to go check on the wellness. Uh, For example, I had an incident where a former coworker back from a job I worked at in high school at Red Robin um, had added him on Facebook. We're about four years removed from it. Hadn't spoken to him in years. He posts on his Facebook and uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat. Love you all. Pretty much it was a, I'm going to take my life. I love you guys. Don't worry about me statement. Tons of comments on Facebook. I called 911. I was like, hey, this is so-and-so's name. I know what high school he graduated from. I don't know his address. The police were able to find him and notify his parents of the situation because they weren't aware of it. So those are some also some other tools is if you don't have everybody's exact information or if you're worried about your friend or your child's friend, you don't have all the details, but they come up to you and say, hey, mom, so-and-so sent me this. You can also go that route as well to help somebody else who's in crisis. And I think having this, having a conversation like this with your kids, if they do see something on Snapchat or another, any of the platforms that they're on and somebody has said something or put something out there, um, make sure that you open that door up to your kids to let them know that you, you know, that you want to help them get a hold of 
of that parent. Um, there's been many uh, situations averted, bad situations averted when a kid, a friend notifies another friend's parent in some, in some ways. And sometimes you just have to get a parent involved, but I like that. I didn't know that about 911. Yeah. And that's a big thing. And for parents out there, if you're thinking, well, what if my child doesn't bring that to me? And over time, as you build a better relationship and you listen to the episodes we have, and I think, I believe on the still tripping podcast that David does for teenagers, he's talked about this, but we've talked about this a lot in our youth support group is that sometimes as a kid is it's okay to narc your friends out. Being a narc means telling on somebody. So there's certain things you can tell your kids saying, Hey, I don't need you to narc on your friends. If they're having, if they're cheated on a test or something of that nature, if they're admitting something to you like that, you don't need to narc them out to me for that. But if there is life threatening, or if there are suicidal ideations or issues going on, it's okay to narc out your friend. And to tell your kids, it's better to have your friend be angry at you and be alive than for you to have regret because they passed away. And that's a big thing that I've had to do is when I've called these for the wellness checks, it's, it's a scary situation. You're worried, is my friend going to be mad at me? And Dave is the one that told me that phrase is it's better for your friend to be mad at you and alive than for you to have regret from not acting on it. So letting your kids know it's okay to narc out your friends and tell on them in that situation because it's better for their health is something that our tools in this podcast can help you have that conversation with. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now that we've kind of talked about the crisis situation um, and it's, and the importance of just knowing what to do when, if you are in a crisis situation, um, I want to talk about what you can do today even if you're not in a crisis situation, if you're, you know, some actionable things to think about um, just to start to, to just strengthen the relationship that you have with your kids and um, establish a place that you um, are on their team, that you're on their side and go ahead, Brendan. I was going to say, I think a big thing is, to remember. And as I've gotten older and I have a different type of relationship with my parents is that sometimes your kids won't always go to you when they're in a struggle or you feel like the relationship's not there. Or a lot of times, cause my mom did this for me in high school is she would want to try to stop me from ever going through a hard time. And what Heidi's going to talk about with having the relationship there is we can never prevent somebody from going through a difficult time. However, if we have the relationships in place, by the time that difficult time does arrive in your child's life, your friend's life, your spouse's life, that you can help them through that tough time. And you're not trying to do these crises, going to stage four of the suicide prevention without a relationship. So we want to make sure that you have a relationship. If something bad does happen, you already have that trust and communication to work through it. Right, for sure. Um, so a few years ago, I was asked to speak um, at a community event for suicide prevention here in my in my little town, and I have talked about this before on the on the podcast. Brandon, did you look up and see what episode it is? I could not find the exact episode, but let me try searching again. 
All right. Well, and we can add it into um, the notes as well. It so, is number episode 102, pre-prevention with Heidi. Okay. <laughs> um, I was pretty freaked out when I was asked to, to talk. This is the first time that I ever like stood up in my own community. Well, kind of stood up in my own community and talked about suicide prevention, which was hard for me to do because I just felt like I, I wasn't qualified at all. Um, and I gave it a lot of thought what I was going to talk about. And, um, I want to just highlight some of the things that, that I talked about. And I, I talked about this a little bit on my social media today as well. Um, but I think that it bears, it bears repeating. So a lot of the times when, um, our kids and, and I'll just be specific um, to kids are maybe their behavior, the way they're living their life, the way they're conducting themselves, whatever's going on is causing us to be, um, they're not doing what we want them to do. Uh, they're not. And, and it could be anything. It could be friends that they're hanging out with. It could be, um, people, whether they have a job or they don't have a job, it could be the way they dress. It could be um, their language or anything. Uh, what's going on? Um, there are certain emotions that start to be able to kind of start taking control. And I, at first, I wrote down some of these um, emotions that that we could be feeling when the relationship is just not great. Um, so I'll just, I'll just read them off. Um, embarrassed, doubt, conflict, judgment, freak out, alone, and resistance. Um, I wanted to touch on each one of these emotions and um, kind of talk about the alternative. Now, if you've been a listener here for a while, or even if you're not, here's the thing. Usually, David, when we talk about stuff, the solution that David gives me is never <laughs> the solution that I would think of. Do you have the same experience with him, Brandon? Or is it just me? No, yeah, I have. He'll throw suggestions out there. The thing that David does to me is, because I'll get riled up and I'll be venting and he goes, or, and then goes on this totally different, like you could be thinking this or this, this, this. And you're like, ah, I didn't even know I was thinking that, but I guess you're right. Yeah. So it happens to me all the time. So, <laughs> so whenever, and that's the great thing about a therapist. Um, first of all, they're not always going to tell you what you want to hear. Um, but it's important to have a different perspective for sure. Um, let's just talk about being embarrassed. I think that as a parent, you hate to admit it, that there's ever a time that you're embarrassed of your kid um, or embarrassed of anybody that you love, right? That's pretty much the worst. Um, but, you know, it, it happens that maybe your kid does something inappropriate or rude or acts in a way that makes you look bad or feel bad. Um, and it could be something like, 
getting in a fight on the playground. Or I remember <laughs> one of my kids, I won't say a name, eighth grade, calls his teacher woman. Like, <laughs> and she was so furious and called me and read me the riot act about how disrespectful he was. And I was embarrassed of, of the situation. <laughs> um, anyway, being embarrassed of, of anything, um, maybe the way your kid is conducting themselves, the way they look, the grades that they're getting, the way they performed on the sports team. You know, there's any myriad of things that may be a bad reflection on you. Um, and it might even be like into religious beliefs, political beliefs. Um, this is this is one where your kid's gonna know um, that you don't like it. They, they're gonna, and, and when a kid feels like by being them, whatever they're doing is an embarrassment to you, that's, that's gonna make them feel like crap, right? Um, even, even just the way that you look at your kid when they come up ready to go to school <laughs> or ready to go anywhere for that matter. And, and you give them that look like, you're gonna wear that or were you gonna wash your hair or were you <laughs> gonna, you know, any of these things. Um, my recommendation is that when you feel those feelings of embarrassment, find a way to embrace your kid where they are, no matter what the circumstance is, whether you like it or not. Um, we can find a way to embrace them as they are in their mistakes, in their struggles, in their trying to figure out themselves who they are. Um, that's, <laughs> that's hard, but that's super, super powerful. So that's something that we can do um, to strengthen the relationship and help with our child's mental health and emotional wellness. And um, the next thing, doubt. Doubt is another one of those things that is really hard on somebody's mental health. If you doubt them, if you constantly doubt them, if you um, throw, uh, you know, like throw shade, make them, you know, they've made a decision and maybe you're casting doubt, like you don't believe that they can actually do it, whatever. Like anytime doubt is created, this becomes an emotional an emotionally precarious situation, right? So what I want to recommend is that instead of kind of doubting your kid or casting doubt on their plan or what they wanna do or where they're at, that you have a discussion. Now, hopefully, if, if you're new here, 
I want to refer you to some of our early, early episodes called Statements Versus Questions. This is super early. Brandon's going to tell us what episode. We've talked about statements versus questions quite a bit. But in a discussion, I don't mean peppering your kid with a million questions. Because when we ask questions, especially those kinds of questions like, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? Where, what did you think was going to happen? You know, like these kind of doubt-filled questions, um, that just creates more doubt. So that's not an actual discussion. So, Brandon, do you have an episode yeah. suggestion? <laughs> yeah, so for statements versus questions, this is a big tool um, that we talk about here on Light the Fight. David's talked about. So we actually have three episodes. We have episode number five. Episode number 24, which is exclamation point statements. That'll make more sense after episode five. And then we have a statements versus questions 2.0, which is episode 54. And we'll link all this in the description. Okay, so those three episodes are going to help you create functional discussions that don't fuel doubt. But... As a kid, you know when your parents doubt you, and that does not improve the relationship or the mental health of that person. Um, and so creating constructive, um, believing, positive discussions is going to improve the relationship and improve that person's sense of self. Okay, the next one, Brandon, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you chime in on this one. Um, okay. What about conflict? Have Have you ever had conflict with any um, with anyone you have a relationship with? Oh, uh, do we want to start? Your parents? <laughs> my parents, my roommate. No, it happens. Um, let me pull this up here. Just make sure I had it up. <laughs> so with conflict, I think the biggest thing when you're having conflict, like from a child perspective, so I'm the oldest of five kids. So there's me at 24. We got a 22, 18, 14, and a seven-year-old in my family. So I've seen that my mom, credit to her, went from a lot more conflict with me and my older siblings to more of compassion. So with the conflict is if we're blowing up on all of the small little things with our friends, our colleagues, our kids, when something big happens, they're not going to trust that it's not going to be a, conf a conflicting situation. Because as somebody who's struggled with anxiety, depression, suicide thoughts, is the last thing that I want to do is be a burden on anybody else. And if all I can think of is that if I go to these people, nine times out of 10, it's going to end up in a conflict where I tell my parents what's going on, or I tell a friend what's going on, and they go, well, you should have done this. This is wrong. You did this wrong. It's like, I was just venting about a situation. So what's going to happen if I say, hey, so-and-so, I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts, or I'm struggling in this dark place, and they've blown up at me all the time and haven't shown me any compassion in those moments of just regular day-to-day -day things, I'm not going to trust them, and I'm going to isolate more. So with your kids... If all the time is you're never, if they, all they hear is you're never getting enough good grades, 
you're staying out too late, everything they're doing is wrong, and then something big pops up like this, it's going to be very difficult for them to feel that they can go trust you in that moment. So having more compassion and blowing up less, which I know Heidi can talk about ad nauseum, <laughs> is that we, you just want to establish that if something big does happen, that your relationships around you know and have seen and have the emotional memory of they're compassionate when things hit the wall, when things hit the fan is they can be there for me. And that's just as throughout the, the statements versus questions talks about that. We have episodes about modeling, but that's a big thing is being able to show those around you to be compassionate in, dif- in their difficult situations. So then when they do have a major conflict, they can trust you in those big moments to come to you and get the help that they need. Now, this doesn't mean as a parent, compassion doesn't equal be a doormat and let your kids get away with whatever they want. It doesn't mean um, don't hold them accountable. It doesn't mean that, you know, they just get their way. Compassion means, you know, that you listen and that you restate and that you feel for them. Instead of, I love what you said, Brandon, about just like, well, you should have done this. Well, you should have done this. Well, you deserve this. You know, kind of conflict is is very natural for us, um, especially when there's things go wrong, right? And so finding a way to give compassion is both going to build the relationship and improve the mental state of that person, of everybody that's in the situation. Just slowing it down and not letting it be um, so combative. Right. Oh yeah. Um, The next one I want to talk about is, is a hot button um, for parents and teens a lot. And um, it's judgment. Um, And judgment is just tricky because obviously when we look at people, we judge them when we see Maybe when we look at their track record, we judge them. Maybe when we look at the decisions that, they, that they've made, we judge them. And it's really, hard, um, it's really hard for a kid to feel like they're ever gonna get out of being judged. Like, am I ever gonna get a fresh start? Are you ever gonna give me a chance? Are you always, you know, what I ha- what I have there as the opposite is in joining forces. Um, I mean, Brandon, what comes to to your mind when you think about like parents being judgmental or kids saying, "I just feel like everybody's judging me." I think a lot of it. So there's with judgment. I think there's a lot of aspects to it. So there's self judgment where you're being critical of yourself, you don't feel comfortable in what you're wearing, how you look, and you can have that type of judgment. So if you think about it, if you have a teenager who's judging themselves because they don't have as many likes on Instagram, they don't have as many friends, they can't go out to all these parties, and they're judging themselves as they're not good enough, they already have that self-doubt. And then when they're kind of venting or they're saying things, they're saying, hey, I like this music, hey, I like this new friend group, and all they hear is actual judgment from their parents or those older, those who they're looking validation for, 
they can easily be like, okay, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And if I'm being judged on the type of music I like, what's going to happen when I say, I don't like myself and I'm depressed and sad. And the reason I can't get my homework done is because I'm struggling to even get out of bed in the morning. So joining forces, I I think a big thing for me is that you kind of give and take where you said, don't be a doormat as a parent, but be more compassionate is you want to have them join forces. So when things really hit, hit, when it gets really bad, that, the teenagers, because what's going to happen is as teenagers or kids is they're always going to look for the memory of what happened last time. Was I accepted? Was I, was there a discussion had, or was I judged? Because if I receive judgment, I'm less likely to go back to that person. So the more times in the small little things that you can do to show and kind of test the water or heat check with your child that, Hey, we can join forces and not be at each other's neck or we're not going to judge you about the style you'd like or who you're following on Instagram at this moment. And we can find a middle ground. They're going to start remembering those things for when things do get tough and they do need to go to you. Yes. I think that um, the other thing that I was thinking about on the joining forces is when there are people that are different from us or maybe our kids are bringing to us different ideas, different than what we think that they should do, right? Maybe it's a different career path or different use of their time or different use of their money or different um, approaches. How can we be part of a solution with them? How can we support them rather than condemning them or making prejudgments about what's going to happen. Um, you know, I, I also was thinking about like, you know, let's say that there's somebody out there that you don't know very well. Um, maybe in, in your group, somehow, maybe it's a coworker, maybe somebody at church, somebody that you in your neighborhood on your street, whatever, and you've just had some run-ins with them and maybe you've heard some things and you're just like, you know, at this, I don't like that guy. I don't like how he drives up the street. I don't, you know, whatever it is. We're always, there's always going to be more productive, better relationship, better mental health for everybody. If you go and get to know that person yourself, you, you know, rather than living in your judgment and as parents, we always kind of think that we know what's best for our kids. But when we actually get in there in the, in the discussion, in the compassion, um, maybe we get to find out firsthand why they think that that's the best use of their time or the best use of their money or the best use of, of you know, the choices that they're making and really give them a chance to, to team up and help them be successful in those places rather than being a roadblock. Right. And here's a perfect example. I was just thinking about this. I heard this a lot. I've heard this a lot from my parents, not even intentional. It's not saying it's a bad thing. I was the oldest. So things happen, right? But (laughs) how many different career choices have your kids said they want to go into? How many times have they changed their mind? How many times has it been the end all be all? I'm going to be an astronaut today. Tomorrow, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Those moments we think are super innocent, 
but when you're getting, when you're telling your child, you can't do it because of this, you can't do it because of this. Those are prime examples of moments when you can join forces and they say, I want to do this. Okay. Awesome. How do we, how, how can I help you? And they feel confident like, Oh, you're helping me in the back of your mind. You know, it's going to change, but just because you know that information, instead of ridiculing them and be like, none of this matters. None of your friends are going to matter in 10 years and you're, you're going to change your opinion. So I'm not going to support you. I'm going to be angry that you're talking to me because you've had a long day or you're annoyed. Those moments of being able to join forces and not have judgment are going to be the things that your child remembers that you can be a trusted source of information to go to, to talk about the information that's going through their head. Yeah, exactly. Um, And there's small things that you can do to join forces. Like, Hey, what's your favorite music right now? Or share, share a playlist with me. Or, hey, I was listening to this podcast. You know, if, if you're telling me you're interested in being an astronaut, uh, here's this cool podcast that I was listening to or, you Perfect. know, whatever. I have, um, I have a, my son who's, who's way into coding right now, computer stuff. And, um, I don't understand any of that. That is mumbo jumbo, if you ask me. But it's really, I can tell it's really important to him that he gets a chance to explain it to me and share it with me, which gives me an opportunity to encourage and support him. And um, and actually, what he's learning is amazing. And it really um, made me both have confidence in him and really in awe of how hard he's working. And so I think that you kind of give, this is a, this is an opportunity to really give some space to something that we might not understand or question. Right. <laughs> question. Exactly. Um, the next one is my favorite. I'm really, really good at this one. <laughs> and so you guys all know what it is. It's freak out. Um, when things go wrong, um, some of us freak out. And I actually have met a lot of fellow freaker outers, so I know that I'm not alone. <laughs> um, when you feel that boiling freak out moment, I want you to stop and consider that there is a way that everything is figure outable. It's one of my favorite quotes. Everything is figure outable. You might not have the solution right now. You might not even want the solution right now. When, and so that's my opposing emotion to freak out is figure it out. If your child um, starts to realize that you're somebody who helps them figure out stuff rather than freaking out, the relationship is going to be better and the mental health of both parties is going to be better. Um, and so that that's a hard thing to remember when things start going down. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. When your child has called you from the third, the third time from school and said, please bring me a bottle of water. You really, really want to freak out. Right. I'm in this situation. And so I've realized that I need to put a big, note on the door that says do you need a water bottle right so we have to come up with some solutions we've got to figure the stuff out so that we don't have to freak out 
Um, Brandon, I'm going to ask you to weigh in on the next one um, because I think it's something that you have heard David to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. A time or two, right? Something like that. Um, when things go wrong, everyone, all you feel alone. It doesn't matter if you're a parent. It doesn't matter if you're a spouse. A, in in any relationship, when things go wrong, you feel alone. So, Brandon, talk about the dangers of feeling alone. As Mr. Cause, this is what he goes by at school, has said, David. <laughs> um, that when you when you're isolating, there's strength in numbers, and there's and when you isolate, there's loneliness. I totally had the quote in my head and I forgot it. So I guess the other thing I picked up from David is we forget things as we're talking. So awesome for us. But essentially is that if you want to go to the scientific aspect of it with connection is we're social creatures. We've been developed to be social and it's easier to get through difficult times when you're around somebody. However, when you are sad, when you are depressed or you're going through a difficult time or you're having an anxiety freak out, a lot of times we want to isolate or people want to isolate. And I know with my friends or with my siblings or even my parents, when they're isolating, I get frustrated. And it's like, why? I know the connection is going to help out, but why are you isolating? Instead of thinking about why are you not doing the thing that's going to help you, sometimes taking that step back and be like, why would somebody want to be alone? And the reality of it is most of the time when people are being alone, it's not that they don't want to feel better. It's that they hurt so bad that they don't want other people to hurt along with them, that they're going to do what's best for the tribe and best for their circle. And I'll remove myself because I'm the one with the hurt and pain. So if I remove myself from this group, the group will be better instead of being, I'm alone. I need to go to these people. So like for my roommates, there's three of us in the house. We're all in our middle, mid twenties, early twenties. And we've had conversations. Hey, you know, when it, becomes winter a lot of us struggle with depression or we'll go through a life events and we do struggle with depression what are some things that like we should notice and we've we've just told each other we do these things when we isolate and we've just asked transparently well what do you want to do well it's hard i want to be alone and we've just established that if we do notice somebody's isolating or somebody is alone we're just going to be sending out the invitations without expectation hey we're going out to eat hey we're going to the gym we're going to go see this movie do you want to come we're watching the show downstairs do you want to be with us and we have the expectation already preset that we may not get a response. So we're not going to blow up. We're not going to be judgmental towards them. But when they do show up, we're just going to be loving and supporting. And I think if people know that, okay, that if I'm alone, the people around me aren't going to freak out. They're going to still support me and put it out there. That's going to really help people bring them out of being alone because the connection is what makes everybody feel better. That's just mm -hmm. scientific. That's our whole thing. Connection versus concern. There's tons of different things tools that we've talked about that are about connection. So if somebody is feeling alone or you notice that, or you notice your child's doing it, instead of bombarding them and saying, why are you listening to sad music? Why are you doing these things? Be that support, join forces, start trying to figure it out with little, little subtle things of just inviting them. Hey, I'd like to see you. Hey, we're doing this. So they don't feel alone, but it's kind of a, just little tricks or things that I figured out that, you kind of have to force the connection while you have a connection. So while somebody's in a good spot, establish, hey, if you get in a bad spot, what are some things we can do? I think, Heidi, you probably have some different suggestions or takes on that too. Brandon, that feels pretty mature with you and your roommates. <laughs> we I'm impressed by that. 
I'm impressed by that. You know, um, I think that I didn't, as a mom, I thought that connection equaled I do your laundry. I make your lunch. I wake you up and get you to school on time. You know, like I thought that that was connection, right? Right. Um, one of the most valuable things that I have learned from David, in addition to just the fact that connection is essential to relationships, connection is essential to our health, mental health. Connection is the kryptonite for depression, of course, um, is that connection is not on my terms. It's on the other person's terms. So I need to find what their connection language and needs are, and they're not going to be mine. So I super love to hike, but that's not what's like, I'm not going to get connected with my kids unless they really love to hike, right? They're not going to come and do my thing and connect with me. I got to go and do their thing. And that means I have found that in listening to their music and, you know, watching their movie and listening to their jokes and letting them share with me the TikToks that they think are funny or whatever. What they're learning in school, all of those things. Or what they're not learning in school. So (laughs) um, for sure, if you're feeling disconnected from your kid, you're disconnected. If they're feeling disconnected, you're disconnected. even if you feel connected and the co- child feels disconnected, there's a disconnection in the relationship. There's a disconnection, right. And so I think that you always have to assume that you're like one second away from disconnection. Connection is is something that you're going to need to be concerned about, looking for, taking action on every single day. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that if you if you talk to David, he would say that the number one suicide prevention is connection. 100%. Um, and so find out what connection means in your relationship. Don't assume. Okay. The last one. And I think that this is really um, an important one. And I'm going to share just a really personal um a personal note here as, as we get ready to end. Um, when my son was struggling as, you know, he was 15 at the time and he made some bad decisions and he um, was not thriving in school. And in general, we were having a lot, like we were having a lot of this, these things that I've mentioned, doubt, conflict, judging, freaking out, lack of connection. But here's the thing. I thought that I was a really good mom. Now, I, when I say that, a lot of people are like, you are a good mom. You're a good mom. You're a good mom. And when I say that, I really didn't think that I had anything to learn. Um, I thought that I was doing everything textbook. I was doing it just like my mom did it. I was doing it just like I thought that it should be done. I did everything that I knew of and that I could think of. And so when we're in this situation where my 
kid was struggling and we and and we're going through this i didn't think it was my fault in fact i remember taking Corey to david and saying essentially fix this kid he's a mess i didn't realize that I should have been showing up and saying, help, fix me. I, I need to learn I don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And none of us, none of us, we don't know what we don't know, right? I was very resistant to things that, like, so David started teaching me things in the beginning and I was like, oh, yeah, I did that. I do that. I got this, you know, because again, I made cookies on Sundays and that kid had clean clothes and I paid for his sports and, you know, whatever. I was doing the things that I thought um, I needed to do. I was super resistant to thinking that this was about me. I thought he was the problem. Um, I will say this. I I was doing the very best that I can and and I would have done anything for for Corey. Um here's what I'm telling you all listening and even myself still is that evolution is now required. Evolution is required. Um everything is evolving faster than we can even imagine. Technology is evolving. Our, the, I mean, if 2020 hasn't taught us that nothing stays the same, <laughs> nothing will teach us that, right? Like evolution is necessary. And for us to evolve as parents in how we think, what we do, how we respond, that is 100% on us. It's necessary. And so that means we have to learn. That means We have to listen to podcasts. That means we have to figure out how to connect. It means we have to figure out how to bolster our kids. It means we have to know where they are in their mental health, just like we know where they are in their physical health so that we can support them and care for them and um, get them through their hardest times. Brandon, what are your thoughts about that resistance evolving situation? I was just going to first say thank you, Heidi, because I know every time we talk about Corey or you talk about Corey, you and David, I know it's hard for you. And the fact that it's it's really cool to see your evolution just from when we started the podcast from even before the podcast to see that growth in you. I just want to say it's huge and I love you. And I know David does, too. And. I think the biggest thing is, so David talks about social health and when we're teaching the high school kids about it right now is there's foundational building blocks or pillars. And the biggest one is the relationship with self. That's going to affect your friends, your family, how you consume information from those afar, like you're saying podcasts or anything of that. And when it comes to improving ourselves, there is a lot of resistance. But if you want your kid, you want the relationships in your life to take you seriously, that you are trying to better the relationship, 
start with the relationship with yourself and people will take notice and give you validity and give you credit of what you're trying to do. If you tell your kids that everything's going to be better, things are going to be different, but then there's no action or they don't see a change in you, they're just going to think it's the same old, same old. And that takes time. That takes fighting resistance all the way through from when you are making changes and they're not buying it. And it's taking weeks, sometimes months for them to be able to buy what you're selling them and that you are a change parent and you are changing for the better. So when that resistance comes is see it as a validation that you are evolving and you're needing to evolve and you're evolving the right categories. And I think you've been a prime example of that is you go back and listen to the episodes where you say, I don't feel comfortable about this, or I'm ashamed of this, or there's these different things. And you've modeled for everybody on this podcast that there is, there can be huge changes in your family and in your personal life. When you do take that information and say, instead of saying, fix my kid, what do I need to do to help fix the relationship as a whole? And I just think that you're a perfect example of when there is resistance, you do evolve and you're evolving out of choice this time instead of necessity. And if you feel like you're needing to evolve out of necessity right now, that's fine. Do it. And as the ball gets rolling, you'll start realizing you're choosing to evolve for improvement and the better relationship of those around you, not just out of necessity. And that keeps going. And that's what's going to build the relationship where you have adult children, where you have, you're starting to see your kids as equals as they get older and they want to be around you. So just for anybody, Take that for what it's worth. I love that. I appreciate that, Brandon. See, I knew you were listening to David. <laughs> <laughs> um, to kind of to wrap things up, you guys, thank you for listening. Um, and again, I think, you know, suicide, suicide is, is a lot, is a lot. It's not one thing. It's a, it's a hundred things. And we can start right now, right where we are evolving. And um, I appreciate you saying that, Brandon, and I appreciate you recognizing, stating, you know, that it starts with yourself. Yeah. Um, and, and that's something that David taught me is, you know, this essential, it's essential for us to go first, for us to model. And then that's where we're going to earn um, that validation, the, the validity that we're, that we're serious. And so I appreciate you bringing that up. Absolutely. Um, with that, you guys, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up. Hopefully David will be back with us next time. Um, huge shout out to our community sponsor, 1-800-CONTACTS. And we appreciate their support of our podcast and also just having awesome glasses and contact lenses for the world. Indeed. Um, all of you who are listening, you guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for being open and being willing and for wanting to learn more. And thank you for helping us to light the fight. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. 
At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.